Blog Talk Radio. harmony. The earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity. Human beings, human love, on a spiritual tip. So vast, so great. The African embrace. Live beyond. Love beyond. Your skin to where you belong. Never ever put your finger there. Rock the palace, but 
the flow She break bitches, man, what a bitch below At noon, man, the man, no go there, she down to go to town No, she don't want to talk to you Channel with child, for original, nigga Do you send a girl, go for the good nigga, what a freak on the take Keep down, for the non-day, say, oh It's all about, got them girls So some sneak rap, you know, you know, I'm running to the fuck Get the fuck, man, I load up a gun Shoki, 
current with African awareness, and of course, you know my thing is institution building. You know, recently, Brother Africa, I read an article by a congressman out of Texas. He's a Republican by the name of Chip Roy. Roy, and he talked about the necessity of forming as much chaos in American society uh, as possible, not only to ensure a Republican um, uh, <clears throat> uh, land, uh, excuse me, Republican victory in in the Congress. But also just as a strategic mean in terms of making sure that you keep the population in a sense of uh, instability. By keeping the population in a in state of instability, you ensure that the people who are in positions of power and wealth continue to rape and rob the society. So it's very interesting that he, he actually acknowledged that's in fact what the, the strategy of the Republican Party is, because this strategy goes hand in hand <clears throat> with uh, neoliberalism. And one of the things when we talk about neoliberalism, we can't talk about neoliberalism without talking about the psychology behind it. But in any event, Brother Africa, I want you to, to check this out. Established in 1776, the 245 years since American inception has been marred by war. For 225 years of the 245 years, the U.S. has been involved in war. Some initiated, others participatory. Often these wars are fought in the name of self-interest with the self-interest being defined as interest to the wealthy. Pursuing these interests involves the weakening of the national treasury while facilitating needless and countless deaths. Many individuals are of the position war serve the material interest of the nation that wealth is, suffi- is sufficient to justify the principle for war. While I find this argument partly true, it suggests motivation only has a material basis. In other words, humans are only motivated if they can benefit from some action. This point of view seeks to paint humans as unidimensional and not complex organisms that encompasses motivations that derive not just from the observed, but from the unseen. In this regard, the values of philosophy established by countries does definitively impact the way its citizens feel and behave. Neoliberalism, like any philosophy, advocates what it sees as the best interests of humans. Neoliberalism, tax cuts for the wealth, wealthy, unemployment, government debt, goes a step further. Aside from philosophy, neoliberalism creates a framework from which society must operate. Pursuit of materialism to sustain one's life is best facilitated by heeding the tenets or ideas of neoliberalism, thus ensuring access to wealth. Ironically, neoliberalism's appeal seems to re- resonate with those who prize materialism over the human condition. The attainment of wealth at all costs, but not the maniacal pursuit of wealth to the detriment of human life, underscores the length to which some are willing to detach from their own humanity in order to achieve material success. Now, achievement of success is not without pain. Realization, realization that political policies create or augment pain for countless others as a necessary prerequisite to achieve wealth just to serve some people. For others, the destruction of others is a minor stumbling block, something of momentary concern. Such individuals characterized as sociopaths are uniquely suited to pose hardship on people or destruction of the planet for wealth and power. Willing to lie, sacrifice others, or manipulate others, these individuals possess the requirements needed to operate effectively under neoliberalism. It's no coincidence of the 100 out of 100, one out of 100 people, or 20% of the population, are considered sociopaths in the U.S. These people are disproportionately representative as corporate CEOs and politicians. Their lack of empathy and hyper-individualism is exhibited daily by this particular group. Corporate heads routinely engage in questionable business practices that harm the most innocent among us. Recently, it was revealed after 10 years, baby food 
Steel contains high level of metal, and particularly arsenic, cadmium, mercury, and lead. Although these metals are found naturally on Earth, the production process contributes to the presence and baby food. Testifying before the U.S. Congressional Committee, big corporations testified they are aware of medical contamination and baby food, but chose not to inform the public. Others say that they did not, they did not test their products and will not test their products. One corporation that produces healthy baby food products sold baby food with 600 parts per billion level of lead. Putting this into perspective, the Food and Drug Administration sets standards for lead and bottled water at five parts per billion. This injustice is magnified when it was disclosed the Federal Drug, Federal drug Administration does not set standards for lead and baby food, although some scientists advocate one part per billion. The machinations does not end there. In order to maintain profit shares, these corporations, at least some of them, label their products as organic, leading consumers to believe the baby food is healthy. Indeed, it takes a maladjusted kind of person to inflict harm on babies in order to achieve wealth, the kind of individuals who give neoliberalism legitimacy. Now, politicians and, and social pairs go hand in hand. While there are few who actually aspire to do the people's business, the political structure rewards those lacking consciousness. The quick pro quo that inhabits the Washington, D.C. establishment is well known. Pay to play is a mantra, but the bigger threat is the conditions established by communists, specifically Republicans, which shapes the perception any attempt at forming a more perfect union is a threat to white lives. Strategically speaking, neoliberalism demands the division of people based on ethnicity, class, gender identification, or ideology. But what happens when conservative whites pick up on the theme of white resistance? In the case of Nathan Allen of Boston, Massachusetts, a Ph.D. in physical therapy, the results are catastrophic. Allen killed two Africans, one female, one male, for no other reason other than their ethnicity. Allen left behind and communicates attesting to the prowess of white people. Oddly enough, if we just suppose Allen's statement with the tenets of neoliberalism, the notion of preying on the weak is probable. People who lack earning power or unemployed are perceived as weak or expandable. Implicit in this view of the poor having nothing to offer and their demise is preferable. Allen did not know the economic status of either victim, but concluded both were deserving of death. Perhaps the perception of weakness played into Allen's decision to kill Ramona Cooper, an Air Force veteran, and David Green, a retired state trooper. It goes deeper. What many people fail to appreciate is the theoretical framework that gives rise to right-wing fanaticism. Neoliberalism on its own is easy to refute. The inequality, structural racism, socialized tax structure for the wealthy is well documented. What is needed is a philosophical philosophy which legitimizes humans' worst impulses like giving it a veneer of intellectual sophistication wealthy elites could embrace. That role was bestowed upon Anne Rand, a Russian immigrant. Rand, author of two books selling over 30 million copies, was credited with the term objective, objectivism. And as the name implies, it's extremely oxymoronic. The notion that a particular class has the right idea and everybody else is wrong is not only a name, it's simply foolish. The theory holds four principles, objective reality, absolute reasoning, individualism, and laissez-faire capitalism. In other words, what she's doing is justifying all kinds of destruction in the name of uh, creating wealth or getting, uh, having access to wealth. In essence, the theory holds whatever you believe is correct. This connotation renders perception as truth, that irrespective of destruction rendered upon others, if it feels good, do it. Is this not the very definition of a sociopath? The fact Ayn Rand was able to accomplish what Charles Murray Bell Curb could not speaks to the lengths those in power would go to maintain power and control. In short, 
neoliberalism at its finest. And I close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. We now would like to welcome uh, Brother Brother Moses. We welcome you to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Moses. Okay, thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists for tonight. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao tongue is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. And I'm also, like to say, Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. Women hold up half the sky. And so thank you and for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Mosey. And Father and Brother Mosey. We're going to go with Sister Eleanor. We're going to bring her in, and we'd like to welcome her as well to Africa to Move. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Um, good evening, um, everyone. Good evening, Brother Africa. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to participate on this evening's show. And uh, I'd like to uh, say to everyone, we're still on a worldwide race to vaccinate each and every person everywhere in order to save everyone or anyone we must save everyone thank you brother africa and thank you to the other panelists and to the listeners peace be with you okay thank you sister eleanor what we're going to do right now we're going to take a Revolutionary Culture Break, and when we come back, we want to invite you, our listening audience, to call in at one three two three six seven nine zero eight four one. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like to know what's going on in your world and the community. So we'll do that and have that discussion when we come back. You listen to Brother Africa, and we are all in the seat, and we're going to take the heat. As you define it, we're going to stand behind it, and we want you to come and do the same. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Moon.
Indian Welcome to Pilgrim And to the Buffalo Who once ruled the plains Like the vultures Circling beneath the dark clouds Looking for the rain Looking for the rain Just like the city that stagger on the coastline In a nation that just can't stand much more Like the forest buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter Winter in America Yes, that all of the hills Have been killed Sent away Yeah, but the people know The people know it's winter in America And ain't nobody fighting Cause nobody knows what to say Save your soul Lord knows from winter in America The Constitution A noble piece of paper with free society Struggle but they died in vain And now democracy Is a ragtime on the corner Hoping for some rain It's looking like he's a hoping Hoping for some rain And I see the robbers First in barren treetops Watching last is races marching across the floor. But just like the peace behind that vanished in our dreams, never had a chance to grow. Never had a chance to grow. And now it's winter. in America And all of the hillers have been killed or betrayed 
That's right. We know who's setting the world on fire, the masses of the people. They are fighting now for their total liberation. They are fighting for their unification. They are fighting for creating an economic, political system that we know as scientific socialism that will bring about the aspirations and give them the potentials to be their own means to their end and not be an end in itself from the world domination of capitalism. We know this is a winter in America because we've been catching hell, been cold ever since our arrival. We welcome you to Africa on the move, and we'd like to make a quick um, correction. This is part two of a two-part series. Last week, we titled the show America and Evil. They belong together. Uh, that was a political mistake in terms of our connotation. We was not implying that all those who live in America, which consumes of North, South, and Central America as one, but we apply more in the geographical political definitions, you know, you know, the geographical definition of U.S. We're talking about the U.S. So we made that correction today. This is part two of U.S. and E, for they belong together. So we wanted to acknowledge that correction. And before we deal with that theme today, we're going to start off as we alluded to earlier. We invite you to call in at 323-679-0841. And right now with our political panel analysts, we'd like to hear from them. What's going on in that world and the community? This is Brother Africa. As you said, we're not only going to speak to the voiceless and the powerless, but also to the powerful. So right now what we're going to do, we're going to bring in Brother Haki. Brother Haki can share with us what's going on in his world and the community. Welcome, Brother Haki. What's going on in your world and the community? Yeah, Brother Africa, you know, uh, as I listen to you, uh, one thing is very, very clear. When we talk about the kind of malfeasance, uh, the, um, the, um, the, uh, the kind of pain inflicted upon poor people in the society, then we clearly understand that the government has no vested interest in terms of ameliorating or making the situation better for poor people. So it speaks to a kind of dystopia that's sweeping the society. And so the kind of debasement, the kind of lack of respect for humanity is commonplace in America and not throughout, and throughout the world. And so given that reality, I thought it was only appropriate that I talk a little bit about the, the march of dystopia because I think this is key to people understanding that we can no longer afford you to hide behind illusions in terms of what's going on and to begin to see things forthrightly in terms of how they really exist. Now, I want you to check this out. Now, Henry Kissinger, former Secretary of State, quipped, quote, democracy is too important to leave up to the votes of the people, end quote. Implicit in the statement is the belief that capitalist class interests should be reflected in institutions that govern a nation. Pursuit of the class interest should embrace all means in attainment of its objectives. These objectives would embellish both the rational and irrational, the pragmatic to the socially dubious, in pursuit of desired outcomes for wealth. In regard to outcomes, the unintended or intended consequences based upon political motivations makes real the in- inevitability of dystopia. Dystopia is defined as a terrifying society, one that debases human life. Human debasement as a sound no guarantees espouses an endemic in U.S. society and is visibly reflected in its institutions. Dystopian impacts are not only reflected in the political arena, but manifest in the business world which impacts people's material existence in a more tangible way. Recently, an article authored by Jessica Crispin, entitled Welcome to Dystopia, highlighted 
the struggles of flex drivers for Amazon. Flex drivers consider independent contractors afford Amazon and other corporations opportunity to employ workers without any benefits like sick days, bereavement, or vacation days, etc. In order to maximize productivity, in other words, in order to better exploit workers, Amazon utilizes software to monitor their delivery quotas, the time it takes to deliver packages, or even their driving speed. On the surface, this may sound reasonable, but when you factor in the intangibles, these workers are placed in a precarious situation, whereby the standards established by Amazon are impossible to uphold. Applied standards do not take into consideration traffic congestion, receipt of the wrong order, or wrong delivery directions. In order for that driver to compensate for the aforementioned, that, that driver must increase driver speed to account, to account for the situations beyond their control. Ultimately, the worker is fired anyway, complicating the indignity. The driver is notified by, of termination via app created by Amazon. Now, the dystopia propensity inherent in electoral process, while more surreptitious, has been documented historically. Symbolism vital to the presidency is key to advancing capitalist interests. The right candidate for the president ensures the continuation of policy and or policies ensured to enrich the wealthy. In the case of Bush v. Gore, Bush was perceived by the wealthy as preferable, and the conservative Supreme Court concurred. Secretary of State of Florida, Catherine Harris, certification was allowed to stand, guaranteed Bush's victory. Because of a statewide recount favoring Gore was denied, his loss at least pointed out discrepancies involving around voting machines' peculiarities. Interestingly enough, voting machine irregularities goes back at least three decades. During the 90s, Dibot voting systems were scrutinized for the ease in which they could be hacked. Of course, the susceptibility of voting machines generally were well known. In Yugoslavia, Slobodan Milosevic was defeated by voting equipment supplied by the U.S. State Department in which polling numbers exceeded the, the number of voters. Milosevic, after his arrest, it was a real, he was denied 130 votes. Needless to say, as the electoral process decays, the easy fix is to abandon the voting technology of the three major companies in America, namely election systems and software, by the way, they're the same company that, that brought Dibot, Dominion Voting Inc., and Hot Intel Civil Inc., and replace them with the tried-and-true handwritten ballot. Now, resistance by the powerful to paper ballot means one inescapable conclusion can be drawn, and that is, as the interest of the wealthy grows, the interest of the 90% declines. Decline characterizes poverty and inevitably affects the economy's bottom line. After all, purchasing power is limited by disposable income. If you don't have money, you can't buy. What benefit are poor people to the wealthy if they can't buy? Quite a quandary, quite a quandary. And the wealth and the wealthiest and their response will not be to advocate structural change to the system, but more likely to advocate more dystopia directed at poor people who represent an existential threat to their wealth. Now, in talking about dystopia, it's important to lay out the concepts affiliated with dystopia. They are namely globalism, specifically neoliberalism, the decimation or destruction of the middle class, the enhanced wealth for the, for, the, for, the, for the wealthy, and the undermining of civil liberties. Make no mistake, both the Republican and Democratic parties benefit from embracing policy or policies that disempowers poor people. It is simply a question of style. Republicans use filibusters to prevent legislation that empowers poor people. Democrats support reconciliation bills that make defunding programs for poor people possible. Both depend on an authoritarian structure which allocate wealth and power to the top 1% where the top 10% accrues some advantages. 
For example, qualitative easing prints billions of dollars not for the benefit of society, but to make money accessible to the rich. In the process of providing all of this free money to the rich, they use it to buy assets like houses, land, stocks, and bonds. As a result of the value of these assets increase in value, which, excuse me, as a result of the increase in value, uh, the wealthy people can then sell or, or borrow against these assets. When the wealthy sell or borrow, they create hardships for the econ economic system. Currently, the U.S. Treasury borrows $4.5 trillion a year, superimposed upon interest rates payments to the average around $345 billion. The U.S. is hard-pressed to pay the wealthy increased asset prices given its debt load. The only solution for the federal government to honor its debt is to continue to print more money. By printing more money continuously, two things happen. One, the value of the dollar decreases, which spurs inflation, making buying things difficult for poor people, including shelter and food. The second concern is the pricing bubble. By making free money available to the wealthy people, the assets, the things that they buy, increases in value, making them unaffordable for most people in society. If assets, houses, apartments, automobiles, are unaffordable, they, they are not sold. If they are not sold, the interest that accumulates cannot be paid, which means businesses have no other recourse than to close down. Government, government, government revenues will be greatly impacted, and the ability to pay its debt will, will be affected. And its ability to raise some money abroad, specifically government bonds, will also be affected. When this happens, the economy implodes, and the unrest currently being stoked by the conservatives will manifest in civil and or race wars, the right-wing clamor, or should I say craze. All this upheaval, economic destruction, because utopia is preferable to a just and equitable society. After all, there is no profit in a peaceful society or a peaceful world. And I close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, you're listening to Africa on the Move. We're talking about what's going on in your world and community. If you have anything that you'd like to share with us as it relates to what's going on in your world and the community, uh, please feel free to dial in 323-679-081. Hit 1, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. Well, now we go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, we come to you now. What's going on in your world and the community, Brother Moses? Are you with us, Brother Moses? Talk to me. What's yeah, going on in your yeah, world and the community? Sorry. Sorry, I was on mute. It's been an interesting week. Um, you know, Donald Trump is addressing the conservative caucus, the conservative political action committee or whatever, uh, uh, this trying to continue their fascist ways, and uh, we have to be on the guard against anything they come up with. Uh, certainly, we we have to continue to advocate and and uh, say that we need uh, that COVID nineteen vaccination to be universal and and free for everyone in every way as as universal as possible, which means uh, the intellectual property rights to be way weighed and uh, where necessary. And uh, um, we see that uh, Cuba is, has, has uh, expanded its abilities to vaccinate. Uh, evidently, they've got a new, new capacity. Uh, um, and I don't know. It's been an interesting week. I I can't think of anything extraordinary happened this week. Oh, the the assassination. Uh, yes, um, 
unfortunately, uh, uh, the people we still cannot uh, agree to disagree, I guess. Uh, some things become antagonistic contradictions, and when you're holding office, holding office illegitimately, uh, uh, and appointing, appointing, making prime, prime minister appointments, etc., it, it, it does create a problem in some people's minds. And so I can see where they're coming from on that, on that, in that spirit. But nevertheless, um, um, there should be a, a, a nonviolent way to settle that, that dispute. And um, anyway, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Next, we're going to Brother Sister Eleanor. We're bringing in, and we'd like to know, Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world and the community? We're bringing Sister Eleanor. The mic is yours. Um, thank you, Brother Africa. Um, it's been uh, it's been a busy week, and as uh, uh, Brother. Moses said, uh, the big concern is vaccinating everyone, making sure that our brothers and sisters in Africa, Central America, and South America, everywhere in the world, have the resources they need to be vaccinated. Now, um, uh, the U.S. has made some contributions. However, it doesn't fully vaccinate the entire world, and again, if we fail to vaccinate everyone, we are harming each other, and uh, this is an example of egregious capitalism. The World Health Organization has been discussing this whole idea of um, giving up this proprietary knowledge of Pfizer and Moderna and making the... the, giving everyone the opportunity to produce this vaccine, but there are only a few pharmaceuticals globally that can do it, and they still have not been able to do so. And many of the developing nations, my concern is that we may be sitting on vaccines about to expire, and rather than sharing them, what are we doing? And we see that in minority communities in the United States, Folks are not only frightened of receiving a vaccine, so there was an education campaign that has gone, not gone on and it was not met. And we also failed to address the, uh, the reality of living in a surplus labor economy and many African people, African Americans, um, may not have access to uh, these big drive-ins they've had in, for example, Virginia and Maryland and throughout this country. And we need to take the vaccines to where the people are. <clears throat> and uh, the uh, other concern I've had is this incredible uh, aggressive state activity to suppress voter rights. Um, the people woke up. They're not buying what the government was selling, decided they had some rights, and that one right was to vote the electorate. And now throughout this country, we see aggressive legislative action 
being taken to suppress the vote, voters' rights of African-American people and working-class people throughout this country. So we need to unite, register everyone to vote, and stand firmly together. Vaccinate everyone. Let the churches get involved. If you're living in a food desert and you have limited transportation in your community, how can you get vaccinated and you don't own a car? So someone needs to come to communities like that. We need to set up some new plans on state-by-state, community-by-community basis that allows everyone to be vaccinated. Thank you. This, this Delta version is on the move. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And to our listening audience, this is Africa on the move. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat as we define it. We're going to stand behind it. We're speaking to what's going on in your world in the community. Again, we'd like to invite you, if you are the listening audience, those who's on our board, if you would like to speak, please say one, and we'll acknowledge your last four numbers. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a, a quick break, music with a message. Uh, when we come back, we will continue the discussion of what's going on in your world and the community. This is Africa on the Moon. Chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah, to last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. Must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it. My journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Pellerino, a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay, the clay that holds the 
stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. When the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be. And made it through my journey, yeah, 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 Passport Rav, Malcolm on Twitter, featuring Napoleon, the legend. What if Mara had Twitter and all that civil rights talk, man, I wouldn't want to hear it This integration been disintegrating Better off in our own ghettos with our own situation His last speech got him assassinated Black business was booming, it wasn't just a consumer Controlling our narrative, we have more marriages And see what the damage did, they ain't that bad a bitch And welfare did it's way worse than the slavery I'll never be an agent, I don't care what they pay me Seem like Nip had the same old story If we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory Like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 was a mystery Supremacy will go the extent to keep their history alive All I'm saying, if these leaders was alive Who be on the internet trying to divide? And use a hotel hustler Trying to fear people of that low vibe structure Agree to disagree and we ain't gotta tear our own down Argue in silence or forever be our own downfall All I wanna say is that we giving it away Soul ain't for sale and the devil is a fake Argue with the silence, but don't let it steal our faith. Hide behind doors, but don't ever show our face. Cause if Mom had Twitter, Malcolm had Twitter. They 
be our own people through the trolling. She be on ignorance and do the scolding. Where we going? Cause Simone had Twitter. And Malcolm had Twitter. It be our own people through the trolling. She be on ignorance and do the scolding. Where we going? The key to life you looking for be right in front of you Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new I said, what if we been lied to most of our freaking lives? Every year coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right Your arrogance precedes you What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday, he said most of it's basic Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me A man lay dead in the street today I must have bumped my head And landed in 1940 or something, I swear And all I have is love and joy to give I need to spread my wings I need to fly away I want to get high today Who got five on my little bundle of temporary? Man, I want to live long enough to be legendary. Your statistics said by now that I'm going to be dead and buried. But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already. And I'm march for our rights, that civil, the same purpose. Two different tribes and we fighting the same person. Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us. Cosmic companionship sustained me after my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. A man laid dead in the street today, I must have bumped my head, and landed in 1940 or something, I swear, and all I have is love and joy to give, I need to spread my wings, I need to fly away. We'd like, we'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move from our revolutionary break. And we will continue the discussion, and we'd like to share with our listening audience. This is Africa on the Move, and you are welcome to call in at 323-679-0841-81. If you'd like to share with us what's going on in your world and the community, we'll pick right back up where we left off, and I'd like to bring Brother Haki back into the equation, and I'd like to have his take and his perspectives, and others can weigh in on this as well. Brother Haki, earlier uh, at the beginning of the program, you were talking about this whole question of uh, how this particular country defines things based upon the interests, and more particularly, when we talk about walls, we can say at least for the past 40 years or so, most of all these walls that are fought, that are fought based upon an economic interest, and mainly it's the interests of the rich and the elite. Walls are fought for the interests of the rich and the elite. And recently, it has been revealed prior to the past 30 or 40 years, when you look at all walls that have been fought, basically they have no impact on the economy. The wealth and money come from these walls are no longer going so much into the economy, but it stimulates individual wealth. Can you speak a little bit more to that phenomenon, Brother Haki, from your perspective? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. Uh, I think it's important that people understand that when you talk about welfare, it has nothing to do with the general good. 
that is a lot that's promulgated by people in positions of power because they want poor people to actually involve themselves actually fighting their wars. Uh, but the good thing is that increasingly more and more people are beginning to understand the nature of the beast. And increasingly, despite the attempts in terms of drawing people into the, to the military because they don't have jobs, uh, people are resisting going. And so it's creating a hardship for the military establishment in terms of getting able-bodied, you know, poor people in a position to actually, you know, uh, you know take up weapons, to take up arms and go abroad for, for the sole purpose of killing other poor people. Now, clearly, Brother Africa, so when you talk about the benefits accruing to the, uh, to, to, to the wealthy, that's, that's no question about that. All the major uh, arms industries, um, the intelligence industries associated with them, uh, it's a, it's a trillion-dollar racket. They're making trillions and billions of dollars. And, of course, the question is, does this billion or trillions of dollars trickle down to the masses of people in the society? Of course not. It's not designed to trickle down to them. So when we talk about the, the wealthy's interest, the wealthy interest does not have anything to do with the interests of the general society. In fact, one of the things that's very, very clear, you know, that, the, 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 you know, that wealthy people have great disdain for working, working people in society. And to the extent that wealthy people are valuable, to the, they, their value only exists to the extent that they can produce something that enriches the wealthy. In the case of war, you really don't need poor people. I mean, you need some poor people on the assembly line to put those bombs and missiles together, but you don't need a whole lot of them. So to the extent that uh, the wealth, those poor people who are not employed by the defense industry, their concerns or their well-being is not a concern of the wealthy. And so we got to understand, fundamentally understand and stop falling for the okey-doke and thinking that, in fact, you know, that these people are concerned about us. And this is why it's key that when we start talking about liberalism, li- you know, liberalism and we talk about the congressperson, uh, uh, Roy, out of Texas, when he talks about fomenting chaos, he's talking specifically about it's important to keep poor people at each other's neck. If you keep poor people at each other's neck, they don't have time to, 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 to figure out that the real adversary, the real enemy, is those rich people who get rich at their expense. And so, therefore, as long as you form that chaos, then it's a real possibility that people who are ignorant, people who are, uh, 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 lack knowledge, people who simply don't understand, who don't want to understand, would be victims of propaganda. And so, therefore, they would carry out the will of the powerful in, in guise in terms of, you know, forming as much destruction as possible against America's perceived enemies, which happens to be other poor people. So clearly, Brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. There are no benefits, there are no tangible benefits to war for poor people. And for poor people to engage in war, I think, is the height of um, the hype of, um, uh, 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 hypocrisy, because clearly when we talk about being a, a beneficiary of war, it's very, very clear that when you talk about in terms, just when you talk about when it, in terms of how the government operates when it comes to allocation of funds, think about it for one second. How is it in a society like America you have, um, you have something like the government prints up billions, trillions of dollars, but this money never seems to get to poor people in society? So what is fundamentally stopping that money from getting to the poor people in society? Very simply, the, the, the wealthy people understand that money is earmarked for them. And so, therefore, as far as poor people are concerned, their interests are not taken into consideration. And so when we talk to war, we talk about the large expenditures when it comes to war, wealthy people understand this is not for poor people. So when I say the hype of hypocrisy, poor people got to get to understand, you know, that uh, you can no longer, you can ill afford to participate in these wars, knowing damn well when you participate in these wars, you're simply enriching the wealthy people. And if that's what you want to do, I don't understand the logic behind that. But for those who do understand the, 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 the irony in terms of participation in war, don't participate in wars. Don't go off to foreign, to foreign lands killing poor people for the, for the sake of wealthy people here. 
work with other poor people in America to bring about a, a, a new paradigm, to bring about a new way of, of existence in society. Because clearly the kind of problems that are confronting poor people in society is getting worse and worse by the day. And the poor people don't figure out a way in terms of working together, irrespective of their skin color. If they don't figure out a way to work together, then we're all doomed. And that's simple. That's just simply the way it goes. And I close with that. You know, Brother Haki, for the lack of um, recognizing the importance of understanding words and this question of connotations and what it means to different people, we're not going to just limit the term poor to people who others perceive as being valueless. But when we talk about the poor in the sense of not having the economic means available at a particular given time historically to produce the desire that they are seeking, you made another interesting point, and I want you to speak to this. And as we talk about this discussion, we again must remind our people about when we're talking about wall, there are different forms of walls, and people should not be caught up in terms of just the physical confrontation of when we talk about on this question of using military means of getting rid of people. There are also economic means that are being used every day to eliminate the poor and eliminate people. Now, you made a question of that when you look at the rich and elite, they have no value for poor people who cannot buy. I think people may have missed that important point. Can you articulate a little bit more in detail for the importance of this whole concept of why there is a disdain for poor people who cannot spend and buy. What does that do to the economy, and what is its relationship for maintaining wealth for the elite? Well, simply stated, you know, one of the things that the the the, the, divine, the defining uh, the defining mantra of the society is wealth uh, or material accumulation. That's what it's all about, pure and simple, pure and simple. So everything they do is in God in terms it's about accumulation of wealth. And so to the extent that poor people can assist in that process, poor people have to have a job. Well poor people don't have a job, the question inevitably arises as far as the wealth is concerned, what good are you? Because you're not contributing to the economy. There's no way I can use you to make money. Uh, so therefore what good are you? So in the minds of the wealthy people they just seem to become really esoteric. I, I think also, Brother Africa, I, I, I think, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about the question in terms of war, in terms of how wars, how wars are uh, um, uh, initiated, you're absolutely correct. There are many ways to initiate war. Uh, one of the things that when we talk about war in the context of America, often people don't understand the media in terms of its role in terms of propagating propaganda. It's an act of war. And, the way, and why it's so important? Because the one way to um, disarm, quote, unquote, your enemy is to make sure that they're ignorant. Well, how do you facilitate ignorance? Well, the way you form an ignorance is that you have a system in place, a system, a media system in place, which is designed to make sure that the information that people need in terms of making logical uh, decisions are simply not there. So in, the, so in the process, people get information that is faulty, which is fallacious, information that's frankly false. Well, people gravitate to it because they hear that same false information over and over and over and over again. And so, therefore, when, so when we think about the kind of the kind of deception employed by the powerful, you know, uh, to manipulate, uh, manipulate the, the poor people, we cannot uh, de- separate that from their engagement, or their participation in wars, because there are those in the, among poor people who actually believe that to participate in war is a noble gesture, and not understand the economic reality in terms of war. 
Uh, but one of the things also about Africa, when you talk about the question in terms of poor, why I keep talking about poor, I don't talk about classes. I don't talk about class specifically for this, for this reason. I don't talk about class because if I talk about class, I give people the perception that if you're in a, if you're quote unquote middle class, that you have no problems or you have relatively little problems relative to poor people or working people. I mean, you. So I don't use that question. Of, I don't use the question of class. I say poor people because whether you're middle income or working poor, the bottom line is that relative to wealthy people, when you look in terms of earnings or their access to wealth or to money, then clearly we're all poor. In that context, there is no division in my mind between middle-income people and poor people or working people. And so that's for that reason I always say poor people. I never say middle-class people because I don't want anybody to think, well, you know what, like, like there's one guy who always call in and talk about I'm middle-class. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, just, I just listen, you know, I, I smile. You know what I mean? I know he don't know any better. So I know he's going. He, he really thinks that being quote unquote quote unquote middle class, he really thinks that he's better off than than uh, than, than, than than working or you know, poor people. So it seems to me that you know when we think about this question in terms of class stratification that was initiated by Richard Nixon back in the 70s, that it is effective in terms of dividing people uh, among, against each other. So those individuals who in fact perceive themselves as middle class have a at least from a psychological point of view have a vested interest in believing that they are better off than poor people. And the reality is. When you talk about how the system operates, how it's set up, we're all disadvantaged, whether we're in the middle or at the bottom. It doesn't matter. So for that reason, I never talk about classes because I don't want people to buy into this notion that, oh, you're middle class, so therefore, you know, you got your college education, your big house, your big cars, you make a little money in the bank, that everything is okay. I don't want to give that perception because that's not the reality. All of those benefits to the middle class are vastly being eroded. In fact, the middle class is almost non-existent in the United States. In the United States, you have people who simply work, and people who are very extremely wealthy who don't work. So clearly, you know, uh, Brother Africa, all the things that you alluded to in terms of uh, the predicament confronting, you know, poor people is very, very true. And when we talk about e- economics, we can't discard the fact, you know, that uh, poor people in the society is getting a raw deal. And if we don't work together to resolve that situation, then the reality is that nothing's going to change. It's only going to continue to get worse. All right. Thank you, Brother Haki. We're going to now bring in our sister, Eleanor. And if we have raised some interesting questions that you may have had not had a chance to speak to, feel free to articulate your uh, perspectives. Right now, we're bringing our sister, Eleanor. And Sister Eleanor, earlier, as we were making a discussion or having a discussion on what's going on out in your community, I know periodically you express a great interest in the need for the whole world to be vaccinated. And I've been just looking at this issue of vaccination since Eleanor, and sometimes I think we're not looking at it more critically. And I'd like to raise with you and have your thoughts and others. Is it a really a good thing for all for the whole world to be vaccinated if these processes are not scientifically done and really looking at the real interest of what we put in our bodies at a long term health they may have on their bodies. Um, all vaccinations are not the same. They are not even made the same material. Can you speak a little bit to, to the importance of why you feel it's more for all people to be vaccinated? Because I maintain a different perspective. Uh, on my recent travel abroad outside the United States, one of the things I received from other people around the world is that they have no problem with vaccination but they do have problems with who is creating and giving the vaccination. For example, the leading um, vaccination that people have confidence in are those societies and countries that have a history 
of uh, loving and protecting their people. Stairs who said they have faith in the vaccination and medicines that are being produced in Cuba. They have faith in the medicines that are being produced in China. They have faith in the medicines that are being produced in Russia. But they have no faith in the medicines that come out of the U.S. and Europe. So I'd like for you to speak to that. Well, um, thank you. I can understand why there's hesitancy uh, to trust Western medicine and medicine in the United States. Allegedly, the United States has one of the most advanced healthcare systems in the world. However, African-American people, African people uh, have a shorter life expectancy than everyone, than many others in the United States. Somehow, uh, indigenous people and and, and African people are uh, just not uh, getting the health care services and the quality of health care that we would if we had universal, true universal health care. And and so there is a, a hesitancy to trust Western medicine. We all remember the Tuskegee uh, situation where African-Americans were intentionally given syphilis and, gone, and went untreated and observed throughout their life. And uh, it was uh, very much a, a race. Uh, issue in that uh, apparently one of the uh, African people in appearance uh, uh, to the uh, administrators of this program didn't Hello, this is Eleanor Hello, I think we lost Sister Eleanor. We we'll do, uh, we'll bring in Brother Moses. Hopefully, we can get her back. Um, Brother Moses, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, we lost Sister Eleanor. We try to get it. We'll try to bring her back. We don't know yeah. what took place. Yeah. But you've been listening listen to the discussion. I know that one of the concerns you raised was that. Um, the concern of the behavior of those who follow the philosophy of Trump. But looking at the current administration in terms of particularly their position and behavior toward Cuba and this whole issue of these voting rights issue that are being created where people of non-Europeans are beginning to have their so-called um, being, being disenfranchised again. This is part of American history. There seem to be all kind of tactics and rules that have been done by the so-called those who many claim are Trump supporters and and those who are Trump supporters' philosophy, or creating situations where that be very um, like opportunities for Africans to maybe to fully participate in the voting process. But at the same time, there seem to be little opposition coming from the so-called Democratic Party. So is that really a big concern or fear or worry about those who think like Trump? as much as should be a concern for those who are looking at those who are currently in power and not responding to the needs and interests of the African people and people who are not of European descent? Uh, 
Just give me your general response to that general scenario. Well, first of all, let me say, we've been in a struggle since the Civil War for a new democratic society, which in essence is a struggle for socialism. But it's a new democratic society that, that uh, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle. And that means there's, there's opposition and there's barriers to be overcome. And um, obviously, you know, um, Biden administration, uh, in words, uh, support the Voting Rights um, um, Act and stuff. Uh, but, yet yeah, it's, it's, it has to be um, uh, implemented at the court level and and, uh, and and in the states in the states and so this, you know you, there's no getting around this um that you know it takes effort and struggle to to make the democracy work and um you know that's that's you know to try to avoid struggle is is to succumb to the the status quo and so you know we engage in the struggle now and uh, Recognize that it's a protracted struggle and that that the future is bright. And I just I'm that's, that's, I just want to emphasize that, you know that nothing nobody's given anything. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to take and make freedom. And um, you know we have to take up that struggle. And we have taken up that struggle and we continue that struggle. Thank you. Okay, let's see if we can talk to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, can you hear us? Salonor, can you hear us? Looks like you're still having the time trying to get our sister. We'll go back to Brother Haki. So right now, Brother Haki, as we was alluding to the lack of response of the present administration, are there are there any more better than those who was um those who lost the recent election? That is to say the forces of the Trumpism. What is your response to that, Padana Brother Haki? Let's, let's, let's be very clear, uh, you know, that, um, you know, both administrations, be it Democrat or Republican, serve the interests interest of corporations. Let's, let's just be clear about that. In that regard, we can't really expect that they're going to part, you know, from that mandate. Uh, these Democrats, you know, they talk a good game, but the bottom line is it's just as beholden as, as any Republican party is. But earlier when I talked about the, the Democrat propensity to embrace uh, – um, reconciliation bills for the sole purpose of defunding programs for the poor people. Well, it's a very ingenious way in terms of, you know, uh, denying the interests of poor people, but the same token, turn around and saying, well, you know what? I support poor people. Everything I do is in God in regard to poor people. Because poor people don't understand what it means to the reconciliation bill. They don't understand what that means. So for them, they only know that the media tells them that these people are actually, you know, pro, uh, pro, uh, pro, 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 pro poor lives. And, uh, and so that's all they know and understand. But in reality, they're a bit more sophisticated. They understand they can achieve the same objectives as Republicans, but do it in a much more surreptitious kind of way, a much more underhanded, much more sneaky kind of way. So fundamentally, there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats, and we, we have to understand that. In that regard, when we talk about in terms of the kind of anger that exists in society, when we talk about the racism that exists in society, uh, we talk about the fascism that exists in society, the, the Democrats aren't doing a thing in terms of ameliorating, you know, those conditions. They're also creating policies which almost enhance, you know, those, 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 same, those same variables. And so if you don't fundamentally provide people what they need, if you continue to allow uh, in, in, in a society which is inequitable, in, in, in inequitable at its core, 
then you better understand that it's going to facilitate more anger, more more racism, uh, more fascism, more hatred. And that is precisely what those positions of power recognize must happen in order for them to maintain power. So now for, if you think for one second that, that, that Republicans don't understand the, the, the magnitude of the problem in society and as it relates to inequality and the kind of anger that it presents or, or creates, they understand quite well. Now, the question is whether they're going to do anything about that in terms of remedying or, 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 or try, at least ameliorate and make, it, make the situation quantitatively better in terms of at least making the possibility that for people to actually talk across class lines to sort of resolve some of these issues. No, because they understand that people resolving issues across class lines, then that's unity being, being that's, that's unity, unity becomes possible. The last thing either Democrat or Republican Party wants is unity across class lines. So it's important. So it seems to me it's, 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 the, the, the onus is among, you know, progressive people or, or people who actually want to see a better world to cross those class lines and engage in these discussions. Now, a lot of these discussions are not easy to have because it means to incorporate a lot of history, which a lot of history is very, very painful. But nonetheless, you've got to have this discourse in order to move forward in order to become a challenge for those positions of power that want to keep us divided. So clearly the Democrats had a vested interest in maintaining their status quo, and let us not deceive ourselves and think that Democrats are somehow different than Republicans. They're all they're one and the same. Okay, we now have Brother Anthony who has joined us. We're going to bring him in, and we're going to ask Brother Anthony, welcome to Afghan Move, and more importantly, Brother Anthony, we would like to know what's going on in your world and the community. Welcome, Brother Anthony. Thank you for having me, Brother Africa. And uh, let's see, and uh, what's going on is the struggle between the haves and have-nots is, in, is intensifying uh, worldwide. Uh, let's see, uh, to the point where, uh, where uh, you know, Africans throughout the diaspora and at home are fighting uh for uh socialism essentially and uh this is uh and and uh, one example of this is the uh is the assassination of uh Haiti's uh president uh last week and uh and also uh it seems as if uh, you know, things are getting t- as resources become more scarce. Uh, in- imperialist and neocolonialist governments are becoming more oppressive, and uh, people are increasingly getting fed up. And uh, you know, and there are signs of struggle everywhere, even inside the U.S. Uh, where, uh, where, 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 where the bourgeoisie is the most entrenched in the world. But even there, you see signs of resistance manifesting itself in various ways. But resistance, uh, nevertheless. And uh, the only thing that, uh, the only thing uh, that, it, that, that it takes to make that resistance more effective is a better organization, the masses of the people. 
You know, panelists, and I can have you start off, Brother Anthony, and with that, we will let everyone else take a shot. And those who are listening, that's on my board. If you'd like to speak, please hit one. If it's Sister Eleanor, if you hear my voice, please hit one so I can identify your number. If you're on the board, Sister Eleanor, please hit one. Um, panelists, you know, last week this was to be a two-part series of, as we stated earlier, we made a correction of the U.S., and evil, they belong together. Last time we had America, but we want to correct that political definition. Uh, historically, you know, when we talk about America, we talk about all of the Americas as it relates from North, South, and Central America. But when we're thinking of the theme, we think in the context of the history of the entity, the geographic entity that many people identify as the United States. Mm-hmm. So the correct thing in a quick area, correct area is geographically we're talking about is U.S. and thing tonight is part two, U.S. and evil, they belong together. We'll be talking about that thing shortly. But in terms of what's going on in this world community, one of the things we didn't get to last week that was a hot, was a real hot discussion is how people perceive this whole issue of the releasing of beer coffee from the, for the prison and was not that, that, that face is slapped in. Um, women's faces as relates to women who may have been violated, you know, unnecessarily and inappropriately and wrongly done. And there were many reactions to that. But one of the reactions as relates to the release was this reaction that um, even the sister, um, his former TB wife, Felicia, uh, Felicia, um, with Felicia Rashad. Rashad, right, right. That was reaction to, you know, many people piling on that she should not, you know, came out publicly and supported him because she took the position that a incorrect, unjust decision was made and just happened to be corrected. So that was a good thing. And many people had called for her resigning of one of the department heads at Harvard University. I'm just wondering, I would like to get y'all taking y'all narrative on this whole phenomenon, starting with you, Brother Anthony, your take. Uh, my take uh, on, the, uh, on the Bill Cosby situation, um, Pennsylvania has a notorious history of, um, of uh, persecuting Africans. And, uh, you know, and, uh, often for the, uh, and often, uh, meeting out worse penalties than, uh, than they do for the European counterparts. And, uh, Pennsylvania has a long history of, uh, corruption also. So, uh, you know, those things come to mind when I, um, when I think of the Cosby, uh, you know, Bill Cosby's case, uh, because uh, there were um, there were also uh, some uh, some European, uh, you know, executives and producers that were accused of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, t- uh, you know, taking uh, advantage of women and harassing them and they were not punished in the same manner that Bill Cosby was uh for these uh 
you know, uh, a, 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 a alleged crimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that has to be borne in mind. And, um, you know, and uh, I think, um, you know, there's a long history in the U.S. of um, Africans getting harsher, facing harsher penalties for doing uh, similar crimes that the European counterparts do. Okay. Let's try this call right here. This may be Sister Eleanor, but this call has weighed in. Let's see if it takes call 7236, 7236. The mic is yours. 7236, the mic is yours. I'm sorry. This is uh, Eleanor Johnson. Yes, I'm sorry. I was, uh, my computer crashed, everything crashed, and, and I'm now using... Um, using a telephone. Um, in in reference to the Cosby situation, I am not really able to to speak on that because I have very strong belief in uh, uh, stopping the uh, sexual abuse of women. The abuse of women as as workers, as 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 as, as just slaves, women and girls as slaves to to the sex industry. Industry in the United States is a huge producer of this uh, uh, pornography and this obscene uh, uh, material that is exported globally. So it's hard to say what possibly happened. And then we had a uh, uh, authoritarian fascist named Donald Trump in the White House who um, openly spoke about his abuses of 125 women. And we, I've, I've read books where, or read um, reviews of, of books where uh, athletes talk about the number of women they've been with and the situations that, that this has occurred, I'm sure, wasn't all uh, consensual. And uh, consensual seems to mean different things in different communities, uh, in, 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 in poor working-class communities. Women are truly victimized. They are victimized intellectually and... and, and uh, and physically, and I I have frequently heard men that I know discuss women in a degrading way. They place all responsibility for child bearing and raising on women. Uh, they uh, take no responsibility for violence against women. They don't even recognize it. They take no responsibility for uh, women working without even earning wages or legitimate wages. So it's hard for me to speak on Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby is the person who was speaking up for 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 African Americans, for black people, and suddenly he's a rapist. rapist. It was shocking and, fun, and horrible for me to, to hear of such a thing. I knew a woman named Faith. She passed last year, so she's not here to speak. 
she talked about meeting Bill Cosby in the Virgin Islands and and uh, at at the beach, but she had no sexual contact with Bill Cosby. So I I really don't know, and I'm not able to speak on that issue. And I agree with Brother Anthony. Philadelphia, for the state of Pennsylvania, is extremely corrupt. We see this ridiculous voter legislation. They're trying to push voter suppression legislation. They're pushing forward, and I don't see them pushing for any ERA in in Pennsylvania. So I'm sorry, I'm not able to speak on that subject. And it's it's a you know the idea of sexual assault and and that type of violence for uh, for African American women is something that may be very uh, close to our hearts because so many African American women are sexually abused in their lifespan. We've heard Oprah Winfrey discuss it. We've heard so many women discuss it. It's it's incredible. I, I went to a picnic one time. I was invited by a sister that's a part of the Vanguard. And the women there were discussing one thing, having been sexually violated. And these uh, scholars and and poet laureates. And so it's it's a national problem, the sexual abuse of women and children in the United States. So... Uh, we would have to examine that as a topic and not just focus on Bill Cosby because, again, as I said, we had a president in the White House, Donald Trump, who alleged to have abused women, 125 women, and he said he did so and they said nothing, and they did nothing. So uh, it's it's it's... It's uh, difficult for me to speak on this. I have no knowledge. Uh, uh, I'm, I wasn't anyone. I didn't follow the trial. I don't know anything about Bill Cosby's situation. And I did hear Rashida Richard's comments, and I think she knows Bill Cosby. But sometimes with sexism, it's not limited only to men. Women are sometimes sexist, too. So, again, I'm not able to speak on that subject, but I do know that uh, it's a national problem, and we need to raise the consciousness of men throughout the United States and have men stand up and develop some kind of family values where they feel that marriage is important, where they feel that it's important to support women, not just their their sisters, but to know that all women are their sisters, and to realize from the way they discuss women uh, to the way they think of women affect the outcome of what happens to women in their lives. So they may not be the very one that rapes them, but they may be their mouth and their attitude toward women may promote that kind of behavior. So we need to address this as a, a nation that's obsessed with pornography and sexual perversion. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Before we go to Brother Haki and his response, I would like to just share something with 
the listening audience and the panelists today as we were talking about this question on dealing with Bill Cosby and the recent decision. There was a couple of things um, some of my friends stated to me. Uh, some of them said that when you look at the decision, the real issue decision was a decision that, you know, he would never found guilty the first time. They said in this decision, really, the real issue was the court ruled that this was double jeopardy. He was tried for the same case twice, and people missed that. The second thing in terms of my discussion with some of the people, they raised the issue of if he truly violated all the women, they believed that this would be, he would be prosecuted a long time ago because it's more than likely that when you look at the behavior and the role of the FBI and how they have followed uh, wealthy individual um, black leaders, political figures, economic figures, they would have known that. Just like they just put it in their files, the FBI. In the FBI files, if you check, they clear Michael Jackson said all of these allegations of him messing with these children never existed. They were monitoring the news just by every damn thing they did. So in that sense, you know, they never did from the beginning believe that, you know, uh, all these allegations had any kind of basis truth to it. So anyway, I thought I'd just share that for whatever's worth to the listening audience, to our panelists. I bring in Brother Hackey. Brother Hackey, let me get your position. What do you think on that particular? What do you think about this particular uh, phenomenon? Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up the question of double jeopardy uh, because clearly, you know, there were some political considerations to try him a second time for the same charge. And I suspect that Bill's long history in terms of involving himself in the African struggle played a big part in terms of the willingness of the power struggle to, to charge him twice for the same crime. But let me just go back to something that Sister Eleanor said. I think it's important that we be very objective, at least try to be objective, in terms of our understanding, in terms of the dynamics between men and women. Uh, there's no question that the abuse, some men do abuse women. There's no question about it. Uh, but one of the things that we're going to be, be, be careful about, we've got to, we've got to be careful about identity politics, because what, what happens is that we start getting into the discourse in terms of, you know, man versus woman kind of thing. It's not only reduces to identity politics, but it's simply set up a, a, a stage, you know, for all kind of misunderstanding. I think one of the things, when we talk about abuse, we've got to be very clear. Abuse doesn't just exist with respect to men, you know, abusing women. Women also abuse men, so it goes both ways. We've got to be very clear on that. We need to ask ourselves from a systemic point of view, what is it about the system that makes abuse of each other so standard, makes it so ordinary, so commonplace? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. See, when we're starting on these identity politics, we, 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 fail to, we fail to understand, you know, the, 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 the complexity in terms of the situation that human beings generally find themselves. So that's one thing I want to point out. The second thing I think also, you know, there is, we get we very, very clear, you know, when we raise our, our little daughters, one of the things we have to be very clear on, there is a certain, you know, you know um, excuse me, a certain um, perception, a certain um, philosophy that exists in society which say that it's preferable for young for young for, for men to pursue women. Women position is okay for, for to be pursued by men. Well in that context, one thing we gotta be concerned about, you know, you got a smooth talking brother, you know, who tells a sister what she wants to hear. Then the reality is that that sister may succumb to his smoothness and she may actually partake in sexual sexual uh, 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 relationships. But she may end up regretting it because it speaks because it goes against her core values. 
the problem is that if that sister decides for whatever reason, you know, because she's feeling um, she's feeling used or abused because she did something that we should later disagree with, disagreed with, uh, that's a direct result of her her own reasoning. Then the question of fairness has to come into play, and I think one of the things that has to happen, I think women have to deal with women in terms of this question. One of the things, you know, when we start talking about power, let's be very clear: women love power; they love money. The great thing I like about our ancestors is that the women understood, and it's not a sexist position, and if sisters can call in and refute me if I'm wrong, but sisters, you know, the older generation, you know, the, 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 the birthers and the generations before, those sisters understood, you know, that power and money did not define who a man was. And in that context, they are much more strategically suited to pick men who were respectful, who were kind, who were hardworking, who took care of their families. If you if you if you fast forward to a, to a new gener a younger and a, a newer and younger generation who thinks that you know that they are equal and and, and there's something normal in terms of being equal in the eyes of the law there's something normal being equal in terms of philosophical in terms of philosophy and that's all well and good but the bottom line is that but if you're buying to equality in terms of the in terms of in terms of embracing the same kind of value system that young men embrace. The problem is that when that smooth-talking young man entice you to have sexual relationship with him, you can't turn around and say, you know what, I, you know, after it's all over with, you know, you tricked me or I feel abused, I feel used, and so therefore you rape me. That is not, that is not to denigrate um, our sisters, because that's not what I'm saying. And I certainly hope people understand what I'm saying. But it's important that when we raise our little girls, we understand that they understand the name of the game. And when that game is being perpetuated, the young sisters got to understand, we must teach our daughters to understand that when the young brothers or young men start going down that line, it's time to change the subject. No, 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 we're not going down that road. So we're not going to have any mishaps, any misunderstandings. So no, 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 no. My value system is that I don't do that, I'm not going to do that, and I won't be coerced. And so therefore I change the subject. If you don't want to change the subject, leave. The social will leave. We're conditioned to leave. So I think that we have to be objective in terms of understanding, in terms of the dynamic between men and women, and not simply uh, sum it up to be, you know, men are all horrible, women are all good. That's not true. That's not true. And I'm, I'm, I'm the first to say that when it comes, when it, generally speaking, you know, um, when it comes to sociopaths, men are much more likely by, by, by ratio of one, five to one, much more likely to be unsensitive, uncaring, uh, Ill, uh, uh, immoral, as opposed to women. There's no question about that. But that doesn't negate the reality that women have some responsibility in terms of this kind of stuff happening. I see all the time young, these women chasing these wealthy guys. But that's an old saying, and perhaps you heard it before, only a mighty poor rabbit sleep on hold. If that guy can use that wealth to entice women to sleep with him, that's what he's going to do. Particularly when society says what he's doing is justifiable. We must teach our young sisters, our young girls, you know, what, what is to be expected, how to handle themselves in the situation, and to be able, when they feel situations not, that's not tenable to the way they were brought up, to the way they, they see the world, that they change the subject or they leave. Those things have to happen. We can't succumb to identity politics because men and women ain't the problem. The problem is the system that produced abuse both by women and both by men. So until we do that, we'll continue to have this problem in terms of division between men and women, which is precisely what those conditions of power want. They want this tension to exist. We have to be much more smarter than that and being to understand, you know, uh, that uh, this, the potential for abuse exists. It's very much part of this capitalist system. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Moses, your thought on this bill case, bill, cost, and release. Brother Moses. 
Yeah, um, Bill Cosby, uh, like I said uh, before, um, he's done some progressive things in terms of um, the cultural workers, uh, actor or whatever. Uh, I think he's also an artist, philanthropist. Uh, he's certainly had some reactionary statements made throughout his history in terms of uh, the black community and how he sees things and what he expects. But nevertheless, um, I think, you know, overall, he's, he's been pretty progressive uh, uh, um, in terms of the television. And what that's where he's impacted mostly on television with the Cosby show and the different world and things that he's spun off or whatever. Um, but in terms of he, he got off on a technicality, um, I think he's as guilty as hell, um, I don't, you know, he he was told that he would um, not be prosecuted, and therefore he um, was able to loosen his mouth and speak the truth. And the truth is, he's he's been a, been uh, abusing these women, uh, um, and um, and so now he's got to pay the piper. And but you know, due to technicality, he's got off. Uh, O.J. got off. Uh, I think there's a class class component to justice in the U.S. of A. And, you know, if you've got enough money, you they'll find a way sooner or later. And uh, that's, that's what I read from it. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And to our listening audience, this is Africa on the Moon. I'm Brother Africa. We're in the seat. We take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. What we're going to do is we're going to take a... And rubbish and rake, when we come back, we'll make our transition to our theme tonight, which is part two, U.S. and Eva. They both belong together. We have highlighted some articles that typify this whole concept. When you think about the U.S., you look at the actions, and on the one summation, come up with diverse, damaging, evil behavior and actions. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, you know, the two goals hand in hand. So we'd like to have your your particular perspectives uh, when we come back by calling in at 323-679-0841. This is Africa on the Moon. Say it again. Whoa. 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 
We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move as your host, Brother Africa. We now going to make our transition to our theme tonight. We have chosen some articles that express and represent the concept of our theme, which is tonight, Part 2, U.S. and Evil. They belong together. Now, as we talk about these articles, we want to just raise some issues with you in terms of giving you something to think about. As we often say on this program, remember, without information you cannot think and what organization cannot think clearly. So we have always tried to encourage those two components so we can help not only move our people forward, also humanity. So right now, there was an article written by Dr. Tim Penny, titled Dr. Tim Penny and COVID-19. And this article was written on January 9, 2020. And um, part of the opening of the article, it talks about how Dr. falsely tells Ohio lawmakers covert shot magnetized people as state grapplers with anti-vax movement. Dr. Sherry Timpenny was praised by Republican lawmakers. Dr. Sherry Timpenny was told the Ohio legislators coronavirus vaccine magnetized people and suggest they interface with 5G cellular towers. Now, they raise the issue of possibility. The question becomes to me, what as a professor, as a professional, professional in the medical field, doctors always have to be careful with their advocate and with their spouse. Why would this young lady take a chance if she didn't see no kind of factual data information that may suggest otherwise. So panelists, I just wondering when y'all were reading this particular article because it has been reported, particularly medicines that come out the West, they are included they have included materials that may not is not in the best interest of cellular development and growth and human growth. And we are looking at this issue of vaccine or not is it truly geared towards helping the health of the people or is it being used as a tool to do something more degenerate? So I start off with, with you, Brother Anthony, in terms of this uh, question, whether or not if this medicine may magnetize um, people, uh, what you make of this particular article and its potential as a possibility or this is just something, something totally out of control. The West would never do nothing like this, Brother Anthony. It's not out of uh, it's not totally out of control. I mean, they are there are materials that these ma- ma- vaccines are made out of that aren't widely known to the general public for the most part. Because I think uh, I think under legislation, uh, U.S. legislation, that is, I, I should say. Uh, the vaccine, the pharmaceutical companies do not have to disclose all the ingredients, ingredients they make the vaccines out of. So this makes it very difficult for people uh, to know what they're taking into their bodies when they get vaccinated. And also, I think, and also, I seem to recall some legislation that was passed 
a few decades ago that uh that uh of uh kind of like prohibited lawsuits against va- vaccine manufacturers uh you know for uh for any uh side effects or or uh illnesses they cause so uh you know under this system and um i think and i think i pointed out last week uh, on our last program that the pharmaceutical lobby is one of the most powerful lobbies in dc so they have a lot of influence over the legislation uh that comes out of congress and uh so uh so i think uh so i wouldn't um even though it's uh it's kind of uh you, you know the conclusion she draws are kind of wild i would not consider uh it totally far-fetched that uh that 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 these vaccines have purposes not uh not related to di- directly to healing the human body uh but primarily for generating uh profits for the pharmaceutical companies and uh, you know and uh you know and and it's a legitimate concern and uh you know and the thing about it though as long as and this is going to continue to be a concern as long as the pharmaceutical industry has the influence that it does over uh, over congress and state legislatures okay we can go to brother hackey brother hackey what you take from this article is this something that you affect or something that has some merits to it? Well, another way of putting it, Brother Africa, either the technology exists, the magnetism is involved, or it doesn't exist. Well, according to the American Chemical Society, uh, the technology does exist. It's called magnetic nanosensing. It combines it combines biosensing or detection of diseases with magnetism. Of course, you know magnetism it goes way back. I mean, even the ancient Kemet they use magnetism in terms of curing people. Now, interestingly enough, when they talk about the application of magnetic tools for biological medical research, they specifically talk about utilizing magnetic nanosensing. They even talk about the the achievements in terms of this particular field, where they talk about actually uh, the, the diagnostic methods uh, they utilize. Uh, user technology has been so effective that they reduce it to a nanoscale. So, they, so, so when we talk about this magnetism in terms of nanotechnology, what the American Chemical Society is saying, it already exists. And perhaps that's the reason why uh, there's immunity for, you know, for the pharmaceuticals, because a lot of the stuff that is going on, uh, we're not privy to. I wanted to talk a little bit about in terms of the uh, COVID-19 uh, 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 vaccines but I'm going to say that for next week because I think this is important that people grasp totally, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. But more importantly, Brother Africa, I think that, you know, uh, you know, when you talk about magnetism in terms of, you know, actually being able uh, for 5G technology to pick it up, you know, you really can't, you really can't um, dismiss that out of hand. Because one of the problems is that in the context of neoliberalism, in terms of the, the dire necessity in terms of being able to survey the population, 
these people are hell-bent on making sure they can survive people 25 hours a day, 365 days a year around the clock. And so, therefore, if you can create a, 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 medical, a, 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 a medical diagnostic tool that not only supposedly heals or assists in terms of uh, uh, not only in terms of, uh, of availing itself of medical application, but if also if that same medical application could incorporate, you know, surveillance for the security state, then I don't see a problem with it. And when we talk about morality, one thing is very clear. There is a morality in the context of capitalism. So there has no morality. So everything's expedient. And so, therefore, if they can innovate technology for the sole purpose of being able to more effectively monitor what people are doing, where they're at, then I, I, I have no problem with it. So I don't think Dr. Timpany was lying when she talked about the, the question in terms of magnetism as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccine. I think she's spot on. Thank you, Brother Hackey. Next, we go to Sister Illinois. Illinois, what's your take on this article? Well, quite frankly, I thought that uh, Dr. Tintinny was uh, uh, a, a, a big distraction. We need to vaccinate people in the state of Ohio. And uh, she's talking about the uh, corona vaccine as a, it's a danger to the community. So I I felt that uh, that uh, the that, that quite frankly I didn't I didn't support her views. I didn't feel they were realistic. And uh, it is true that pharmaceuticals are highly uh, uh, they're not regulated. Um, they're they're big money lobbyists in D.C and uh in all the state legislatures but uh time that this took place that she was uh uh there was nothing no merit to the thing she said the doctor complained that 5000 people had died from the vaccine with without offering any evidence according to the article and uh if people are interacting with these the 5G towers certainly that would have there, there's enough happening with real journalists in this country that we would have had some win of it. It would have been reported somewhere, and uh, <clears throat> uh, when she was testifying in favor of a bill that would have uh, prohibited any Ohio business or school from mandating that vaccine use, uh, vaccine use, uh, that put so many people at risk, put the public at risk. And I think of who would have not been vaccinated, uh, the blacks and browns, the people attending public school, this sort of thing. Because thing I know with vaccines, uh, at one point they had mercury in them. And years ago, the elite were able to, uh, have exemptions from having their children, uh, some elite, from having their children vaccinated for measles and different things simply because they didn't want uh, their child to be vaccinated with a vaccine that had to use mercury in its production. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, for the working class, and as Brother Hakeem said, the working class is that includes the middle class. It includes anybody that's working for a living. 
uh, they don't often have those options. So I felt that this uh, article, as it related to the uh, corona vaccine, uh, was misguiding. And uh, it was dangerous when, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, again, I support freedom of speech. So there it went, because when she claimed that the vaccine interfaced with uh, 5G cellular towers, but uh, she didn't give any evidence on that. It it was just, uh, just ridiculous to me. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Moses? What, what is your take on this article? Yeah, well, we all have our we all have our narratives, and uh, you know, we use facts and we use facts, and how we put the facts together determines the narrative. And, and so, ideologically, you know, there's there's the class struggle going on, and uh, you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And so, scientifically, there is this COVID nineteen. It's proven to be a disease. It's a condition, a material condition. It's not just an idea. And so it has to be fought. And the virus is so far as the, the way we've chosen to fight it. And uh, Cuba is fighting it. It's Russia, China, everybody in the world recognizes it as a problem. And so the solution is the shot. At this point, that's the best thing we have. And so you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem, and she's part of the problem as far as I'm concerned. She's raising these allegations, and, yes, she doesn't want to scientifically and patiently explain the basis of of her conclusions, uh, how these people died and uh, where are these people that died. And there's too many unanswered questions. Uh, The facts, I don't know, you know, is whether this some kind of uh, uh, mechanical or, or uh, magnetism? Uh, um, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be the case, but but there may be some some magnetism somewhere. I don't know. Uh, 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 but the virus is real, and, and the problem is real, and. and and this is a side issue, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I'll just leave it right there. Thank you. You know, um, Brother Moses and panelists, uh, when I listen to the discussion, and we uh, ask the individual scientists to find the facts or some of the things they believe that they believe may be going on, the proof and the burden is already put on them. It's like the criminal. The criminal know that he committed a crime, but he know that you got to prove it. So therefore, if you don't prove it, that means the crime never happened, which doesn't make that true. But let me say this to to those who are listening and to the panelists. I want each one of your panelists. I want y'all to give me advice because I believe I may have fell victim to this reality. Recently, I went out the country, and I have always been an advocate against taking these shots because not only has she stated this position, position, but there are other scientists around the world that stating the same thing. But this was the first time that this incident ever happened to me. I went and took the damn shots against my, really, my, really want to do this. But in order to do this, I had to do that in order to travel and do, do the work that needed to be done. 
So I sacrificed maybe my long-term interest for the interest of um trying to do do what needs to be done to advance our people in the movement. But anyway, all the traveling that I have done, you know, the U.S. immigration, when I came through the U.S. immigration, they said something to me that I, that has never happened to me before. And I want each one of y'all maybe possible explanation of what may could have happened. I took those shots one week before I went on the trip. When I came back to through the immigration, the gods were very complex about my body. They stated that they didn't see anything when I went through that little machine that goes around you. But when they actually put the metal detector on my body to search for metals and stuff, the brother said to me many times, hand me up for additional time, Brother, what you got on? What you got in your body? What's going on? You are highly militarized up in your chest. What kind of metals do you have in you? And I said to you, brother, I don't know. I know I took those shots. It's my reflection of the shots. So starting with you, brother Haki, what is that? That was the first sign that was ever revealed to me. What you make of that reality, brother Haki? Well, let me let me let me tell you something. Uh, Dr. Cameron Abbasi, he's the editor of the British Medical Journal. He talked about the fact that what's happening in around the world is that interests are being elevated over science. He's telling you that something fundamentally wrong with what we call what we know to be COVID-19. Keep that in mind. Uh, one of the things I think, Brother Africa, you know, um, you know, when when you talk about uh, you know magnetism in terms of the ability of the government to actually follow you with 5G. Given the the, uh, the 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 magnetism, you know, in, in the shots, it's interesting. I think people got to keep this in mind. People want some definitive proof in terms of why she said what she said. Understand, if this doctor was privy to information by you know by people she don't want to expose, she's not free to tell you where she got it from. To give you an example, a personal example, in New York, we used to also we were confronted with people who would convey to us stuff that was going on behind the scenes. People knew nothing about. We knew back in 1980 that the FBI, CIA, intelligence community can look through. If your TV screen is larger than 12 inches, they can look through your screen, look at you right in your living room. We knew that back in the 1980s. People are only beginning now to understand that. We knew that back in the 80s. We could not disclose people told us that because if we disclosed that people told us that, that means that people would never trust us. They'd never come to us again to tell us what's going on. So there were people who said, oh, that's bull. Hey, they can't do that. They, they, they don't have technology to do that. They did have the technology to do it. We knew it. We just couldn't disclose who the people were that told us what was going on behind the scenes because they were in industry. We didn't want them to lose their jobs. We wanted to maintain that credibility, but therefore we didn't talk. We didn't tell where we got it from. We simply did assimilate information. You believe it or not, it's up to you, and we left it at that. So clearly this doctor's not talking out of her head. She's got too much to lose to be, be perceived as a crackpot. And so we got to understand that when we talk about the mendacity or talk about the deficiencies of the system, we got to understand that that's nothing they won't do. Some reason we got this perception that somehow that they got to, they have, they have a moral center that exists in the society. There is no moral, morality when it comes to, 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 to capitalism. Everything is expedient. Everything. Life doesn't mean a damn thing to these people. It's about maintaining control, preservation of power and control, point blank. What is it that people can't understand about that? And so when they say that this woman is out of her mind and she doesn't even know what she's talking about or she's exaggerating, 
think deeper. Think much deeper. Because you better understand something. If you don't understand the paralysis of the situation confronting people in this society or people throughout the world, then you'll never grasp the, the, the audaciousness or the, or, the, or, the, or the lack of humanity by people in positions of power. We better wake the hell up and understand the reality, and I'll close with that. Now, I'm just saying to the listening audience of the world, this is something I have just concretely gone through less than two weeks ago. What am I to take from it? Coming from the so-called federal authorities, authorities, I have my body is highly magnetized. Brother Anthony? Yes. Um, it's a possibility uh, that uh, that you uh, that, that that a lot of uh, that you and a lot of other people are highly magnetized uh, because that's what those uh, that's what that's how those metal metal detectors work. They that de- they, they detect iron, uh, you know, uh, and uh, they're designed to detect me- uh, metallic objects. Particularly, uh, especially iron and uh, other metals and whatnot. Especially metals that ha- uh, that, that are magnetic in nature. And those uh, those scanners that they use are are magnets, and they work by detecting magnetism. And the stronger the signal, the more uh, the uh, the more likely uh, uh, a metal is present. And that's how uh, you know these metal detectors work. Now the thing about um, uh, you know uh, uh, science uh, that 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 I would say is that uh, one, uh, that one of the uh, in order to be scientific, uh, uh, the data has to be re- reproducible. And in other words, so, so, so in, uh, in other words, in order for it to be valid, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it has to occur more than once, you know, uh, you know, by observation techniques and what have you. And uh, so I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, put uh, given the history of the U.S. in general. And uh, its use of uh, biological warfare in particular, I wouldn't put anything past the U.S. in terms of uh, seizing, uh, seizing and maintaining power and control. And, uh, and um, you know, if people in the lower classes of society have to be sacrificed, so be it. That is the nature of how capitalism works. And Sister Eleanor, where am I to make a my reality based upon this <laughs> possibility of my body being highly magnetized by several agencies that have expressed that to me on my travel? What is your analysis, or what should I make from that? Well, Brother Africa, that is um, phenomenal, and uh, I uh, I don't know 
what type of shots you have to take to for your travels. We frequently take these malaria shots and all this before we leave, depending on where we're going. And again, the pharmaceutical companies are unregulated. I know at one point they used mercury. I don't think that would be magnetic. Um, it doesn't leave your body. I, I I have no comment. I don't know what to say, but I would uh, encourage you to get to a trust, trusted med- med- um, medical professionals and have them do a full panel uh, blood screening and otherwise to see what's going on with your health. This is uh And let's say if, let's say if, let's say exactly they come to prove to be true. What recourse do you think I have? I don't know. You know, this is a country where everyone sues. Uh I don't know what that would do in terms of your health or the long term impact this may have on your health. Um, in terms of recourse, I think uh, it would be publicizing it. I think it would be taking legal organ- action. And I again, uh, we always talk about organizing. And this is where being parts of groups and organizations are so essential so that we are with others working class people and people like ourselves who share common experiences and uh and this is this is even with health whether it's diabetes or lupus or whatever you need to be parts of groups that are focusing on this and need to do some research on finding out if others have had the similar experience and also to figure out what type of inoculations you receive, who the producers are, and do what research you can and your researchers to find out what materials and what companies and subsidiaries of their companies that are working around the world to produce these pharmaceuticals to get to the bottom of that. Thank you for your honest response, Mr. Eleanor, Brother Moses, your response. Yeah, well this is a this is a troubling um troubling uh um I don't know it's, it's you know, this all these examination and stuff is, is expensive and uh, you know this prohib- cost prohibitive and uh um, I don't know. In terms of recourse, I don't. Um, you would have to um, verify that it that it's there and that and that it's detrimental to your health, and um, and then and sue on that basis. Basically, I mean, I'm sure there will be other people in some kind of class action suit at some point because you wouldn't be the only one. I don't know which pharmaceutical company you you got shot with Pfizer or. Or Medina, or, shot or with, one of my shot with Pfizer. Pfizer, yeah, I've had Pfizer myself. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You, 
you following up on it's, it's, it takes money to get justice in this country. That's all I can tell you. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Brother Bozzi. We have a caller that just sat in on the program. We're going to give him um, the opportunity to state whatever question or comment they may have. Caller, your last four numbers. Your last four numbers are 6050-6050. Welcome to Africa on the Move. Your question or comment, please. Yeah, I just had a comment about the vaccines, and you guys mentioned maybe suing if you have side effects. Well, they, they passed the bill. You cannot sue the pharmaceutical company, nor can you sue the government over any harm that's done to you by the vaccine. Why is and, that, Carla? Because they 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 made sure that they passed that law before they um, before they put the vaccine out. It was a law, and I'm trying to think of the exact bill. Uh, it says, uh, well, blah blah blah, provides legal protection to companies making and distributing critical medical supplies such as vaccines and treatments. Um, and then there's also protection for the government. So there, there's no, there's no, if you're harmed by the vaccine, you're just harmed. You have no legal standing because they, they passed laws. So that's that. 13-year-old boy just died after taking the vaccine. Um, well, um, and uh, the vaccine injury report among 12 to 17-year-olds more than tripled. Uh in a week, and I know that was in June, so I don't know if the numbers are still going up, but yeah. Which so, state did that take place I mean, in? Where, where I am, excuse me? Which state did the, 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 the um, dying of the 13-year-old boy? Which state did that take, uh, take place in? The 13-year-old boy dies in his sleep after his second dose. Hold on, let me find out where. Um, Michigan. Okay, go ahead, call so, I mean, things are happening, and I think, you know, is this really weird what's going on and the length to which they're trying to go through to get people to take this thing? Exactly. I think That's it's the point kind of weird. We I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, the length they're giving out joints in New York um, and um, in Nevada, in, in Nevada, they were giving – they were doing. Uh, you come, come and get the vaccine for for men. They were giving you a platinum card to a to a strip club or some kind of brothel or something. Um, there was all kinds of. This is all kinds of. You know, you've heard about the whole lottery thing, right? Giving away lottery tickets to mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. it, just, it just begs the question: Why? Why? Why are you exactly. going so much? You know, so people take this thing and. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We will see. I guess in the next year or two, we'll see what happens. Right? Um, it's very encouraging, Carl. It's very encouraging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying that anything's going to happen. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not an expert or anything. But I would assume over time, if it's if it's safe, then over time we'll know. And if it's not, over time we'll know. Right? I think the only thing that we can say is, you know, right now that they're saying is that the chances of surviving 
COVID, especially if you're under a certain age. Um, if you're elderly, I guess it's, it's different, but I mean, it looks like it's 90, still 98%, 99% survival rate. And um, if you get the vaccine, it does not stop you from getting this thing. They've already said that. The virus. Correct. Yeah, it does not stop you Which from getting it. Which makes no sense. What's that? And and they're saying that it does not, they're not sure whether you can still spread it or you, you maybe you can still spread it if you take the vaccine. So my question is, so why am I getting, taking this again? Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm trying to, what, mm-hmm. this is 98%. You know, we really haven't seen any, any people with in good health, problem. like, dropping from it. Carla, with this propaganda that you're pushing on the people in the world, it's like they're just taking away our common sense. We're not even using our own common sense, listening to their own logic. Not only that, nanonarrative is you may have to take many shots, more shots coming. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, Pfizer, Pfizer said that they're, they're, they're applying for a third one, so you got to take a third one. And then they're saying that the new variant that's out, all the vaccines that you've already taken doesn't doesn't <laughs> doesn't affect the new variant. So now you got to go take another whole another well, round. <laughs> well, Carla, you yeah, Carla, I said to you, you're right. Trick me one, shame on you. Trick me twice, that's shame on me. So that's the best I can say to the listening audience. If you didn't trick the first time, okay, they got you. <laughs> You fall for the okie doke sucker time, that one is on you. By the way, Carla, we'd like to thank you for your comments and your information and uh, continue to watch and support Africa on the Move. We come on every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and um, we try to speak truth to power and give our people information so they can think and do some to organizations so they act upon that thinking and think more clearly. So, Carla, uh, we let you make your final thoughts. You got one minute. Go ahead, Carla. Um, I, I would just, I, I think this is a, is a, it's a scary time <laughs> because I think people are focused on certain things that, um, I mean, we're so distracted, all of us. And, you know, every, you know, people have gone into the little camps of things that they think is important, but I, I, I think maybe, I, I would hate to think this, but I will just say this. I hope it is not the case that we don't all have to wait until our backs are really against the wall before we get serious with figure out what's important and get serious Mm -hmm. about those things. So we're serious about things that are silly or not important. And we're silly about things that are serious, it seems. So yeah, that would be my final comment. Carla, we really would like to thank you for your contribution to today's program and hope you tune in next Sunday and share this with your people. And if you'd like to have a copy of this program, our listening audience, please email us at AfricaOnTheMove2 at Gmail. We will provide you with this program and others and spread the word. We want to create an audience, an educated political audience, to get to have a better understanding of their world so they can properly change it. So call again. We thank you for your participation to today's program. And we will continue to discuss this thing, U.S. and evil. They belong together. Looking at the second article, Brother Haki, which as we talk about what is their motive, as we look at this vaccine, how the West, particularly coming out of the U.S., they deal with it. 
We're looking at this article titled Venezuela to Kovac, send vaccine or return payments. Now, the thesis of this article is that Venezuela has paid millions of dollars for so much um, for so much uh, uh, vaccine uh, materials to be delivered to Venezuela through the UN. And because of the influence, i.e., through the West, particularly by the U.S., they are holding up the vaccine and blocking their money from coming to the U.N. to deliver it back. Now, why would the U.S. do something and the West would do something as such if they seriously has, have an interest and want to help people humanity? I thought I was you, Brother Hackey. Dissect this, this article and its contradiction. And this is why business people say when you think about U.S., you automatically think about evil. Brother Hackey. Well, yeah, well, this, well, this, the, the same reason, uh, well, the reason why they, they, they're, they're doing what they do in terms of non Venezuela, the, the vaccines that they paid for, is to destabilize Venezuela. Now, prior to U.S. intervention, Venezuela is one of the most wealthiest countries uh, based upon oil sales, you know, in the Western Hemisphere, particularly in the Caribbean, in South America, I meant. So, therefore, the, the implicit threat in terms of you know Venezuela being a role model for the rest of the world is simply too great for the U.S. to to allow to pass. And so, therefore, as consequence, it's important that you know when they see these 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 states, these states like Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, uh, China, uh, uh, Russia, when you see these countries stand up, they become implicit threat to U.S. interests. Now, when we talk about you know you know why the U.S. hates socialism so much. They hate socialism simply because, you know, socialism means that you use the resources of the, of, that the country produces for the good of the entire pop, pop, uh, uh, pop, uh, population. Well, the U.S. philosophy, particularly the ruling class, is that, no, 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 the resources of the land belong to the wealthy. In fact, the Constitution sort of undergirds their perception when it talks about protecting the, protecting the minority. So when they talk about protecting the minority in the Constitution, they are talking about protecting wealthy white landowners. They're not talking about Poor people, so we got to understand that. So when they pull this off, you know, uh, you know, we, we have to understand that uh, Venezuela represents a, 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 a real threat, you know, to the uh, machinations of the U.S. government. But more importantly, brother, after the mere fact that the Swiss bank, you know, um, participated, you know, in blocking the uh, the transfer of, of 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 those of those vaccines, speaks volumes in terms of the kind of collective criminality that exists in society. It's not just a corrupt imper- a corrupt U.S. in terms of this neoliberal policies. You have an imperialist structure that exists around the world, which is sure to facilitate as much injustice, as much suffering as it possibly can. And so unless these imperialist nations, you know, decide with humanity, the bottom line is that this struggle for human decency, human dignity, uh, is going to be a problem for people throughout the world. So Venezuela, so Venezuela is simply a microcosm of that same kind of suffering that's inflicted upon people who attempt to stand up and do that which is right. So I close it up by simply saying that, Brother Africa, that's just part for the course. And if we don't understand it by this point in history, I guess we'll never understand it. Thank you for your comments, Brother Haki. We go to Brother Anthony. If you are listening on you, please take time to check out this article, Venezuela to COVAX, Send Vaccine or Return. It was written by Paul Dotson on July 5th, 2021, from the magazine Resumen. It's a Latino, Latino Cano, and the Third World magazine. So please check that out. Brother Anthony, what do you take from this article? 
what I take from this article is the fact that the U.S. will, uh, uh, like any uh, any other empire, will do any anything uh, uh, possible to maintain its power and uh and uh you know and preventing uh countries from pursuing an independent path of development is part is part of uh an imperialist strategy and uh and uh is so fierce uh venezuela's example that it would do uh, it would do everything in its power uh, to uh, to uh, uh, to oppress the people to the point where they get uh, they 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 blame their government. But Venezuelans are organized and politically educated, and uh, and and uh, those are the most important tools uh, for uh, for defeating imperialism and a lot of forms of. Uh, a exploitation of humanity by humanity, and that is uh, being organized and politically educated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would urge uh, everybody to share their knowledge. Uh, you know, with, uh, you, you, you know, with people in every which way they can. Thank you, brother Edmund, sister Eleanor. You have been a staunch supporter so far on trusting the vaccines that yes is given to his people and the rest of the world. Looking at this article, if someone was so interested in helping people, why would the U.S. do what they are doing to the people in Venezuela as it relates to the vaccine? I'm just real curious in terms of your response, because one of the things you seek to do, Sister Eleanor, we can have a position, but through information to struggle we hope to change people's position to a position of more correctness. So I just would like to have your response to this article, Sister Illinois. What do you make of it? Um, um, Brother Africa, as we see, it was the Swiss bank UBS that uh, blocked four transfers to this UN COVAX program. And the G7, uh, the super imperialist, the G7, to get these vaccines out. So it's the U.S., Switzerland, and it wasn't only North American companies beyond the U.S., but also European companies that were shying away from the Maduro, President Maduro's effort to vaccinate his people. So... um, and when you Cicely Lenore, why would a country so country participate in blocking money exchange from any country? What would be that interest of blocking exchanges money. of money? And we know money. that the only motivated interest can be because of the pressure of the U.S. and that so-called illegal blockade. So I think in all honesty and fairness, we know U.S. is the dominating force behind this particular behavior. Would you not agree to that? I agree that the U.S. is that the U.S. blockade against Venezuela is having an impact. But as you know, uh, Brother Africa, a few years ago, uh, it was the Venezuelan people 
who allowed uh, Americans who couldn't afford heating oil working with Joe Kennedy to heat their homes with no charge. Venezuela was exporting oil to the United States to heat working-class people's homes. So uh, most uh, Latin American countries, including Haiti, Haiti hasn't received one dose yet. Why is that? So I think uh, it's uh, racism, colonialism, and imperialism. And, of course, U.S. imperialism plays a role in in, in this blockade, and it is because uh, uh, countries are concerned about secondary uh, sanctions of their own, but it's not because of the U.S. military power. It's because of capitalism and the number of capitalists that invest in the U.S. economy. The U.S. is a large economy of one people, so it's got we're buying so much. It's not it's not the 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 country. It's not the imperialists, but the 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 corporations that base themselves here and their subsidiaries that they're afraid that harm will come to them that there'll be some type of financial unofficial uh, uh, cited complaints with U.S. led uh, financial sanctions that uh, these people are afraid of because they're heavily invested in the U.S. economy. And uh, so, yes, the U.S. plays a big role in this, but it's capitalism, it's the uh, imperialism that's the real problem. And, uh, okay, thank you. See, they, they thank, you, Sister thank you, Sister Eleanor. Um, we know when we talk about imperialism, when we know we talk about imperialism, we talk about the head of imperialism, we're talking about the U.S., but we thank you for your position. Let's hear Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's your position as it relates to this particular article? Brother Moses. Well, you know, we we know that the capitalist powers, uh, the Western in particular powers, uh, have been uh, san- sanctioning and, and, and embargoing and, and doing everything they can to stop the progressive countries, uh, Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, whatever, uh, anybody who's trying to trying to take control of their economy and use it for their people, um, the U.S. is opposed to it. And, and these vaccinations are just symptomatic of that general thrust, the general political uh, outlook. Uh, it's just, and so these vaccinations, like you said, Haiti hasn't got any of uh, of it, and, you know, that's no coincidence. It's, it's racism and and and, and uh, imperialism and fascism all wrapped up in one. And um, you know, people people are dying, uh, and it's it's a real real problem. And and so people are are looking for a, a vaccine vaccine. And the reason to take the vaccine is is, is it it cuts down on your your possibility of dying if you do get the the COVID, uh, you know, so you know, so like an insurance policy of some sort. But anyway, uh, I just hope that that people will wake up and uh, and see what's really going on. Thank you. 
And I agree with you, Moses, and we're doing our best to try to wake them up to see what's going on because the many contradictions are glaring as it, as it relates to the rationale why one should take it. I'm a strong component. Don't take this shit if you don't have them. One of the things I'm doing is forcing people to take this stuff by controlling and limiting, limiting them to their ability to travel, to move about, limiting them to having a basic means to work in order to keep a job. So what is all this coercion is all about? What is all coercion all about? What I'd like to do before I go to the next article, Brother Haki, Brother Anthony, and Iman Carter, 6050. Are there any comments y'all would like to make based on what y'all recently have, have, have heard as related to the discussion, Brother Haki? Anything you'd like to follow up on as related to the well, discussion? Well, well, Brother Africa, we're, we're running out of time, and I want to give the science behind uh, the reality behind you know, COVID-19. And for people who want science, I'm going to give it to them. Uh, you know, so they say they want some proof, definitive proof, scientific proof. Well, I'm going to give it to them in scientific terms and in ways in which I think they can understand it. But, but I'm going to do that next week because of time. I'm not going to do it right now. But one of the things, I'm glad the brother of uh, 6050, I'm glad the brother at least, up the question that the, the government and these pharmaceuticals are immune from legal liabilities. And that is important. And because they're immune from legal liabilities, open up the avenues, all kinds of avenues in terms of using people for experimentation because there's no downside. They can experiment on you, and so if you die, so what? And also, I, I want to mention in terms of the deaths, the deaths are not new. It's well over 5,000 is a drop in the bucket. When you look at the world in terms of deaths, the numbers are up there. And all you have to do is take your time, be disciplined, and go through, go through the media, go through the journals, you know, medical journals throughout the world, and the numbers are there. So it's not hard to find in terms of the, the level of, of, uh, of, of destruction. This, this particular vaccine is, is inflicted upon people. So it's not a mystery in terms of when people advocate, at least imply, you know, that somehow that the numbers are exaggerated that it doesn't exist, it's not. And I'm glad that the brother 6050 brought the question in terms of, you know, the 13-year-old a uh, young child who who died taking it. He, I mean, it's, 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 there's so many cases in terms of people have done it. And when I go over next week in terms of the science behind, you know, COVID-19, then people understand why people can people are dying. They understand why even if you take the virus, you still can transmit COVID-19. I'll go over that next week. We short of time, so I'm not gonna do it now. I'm not close to that, brother Africa. Thank you, brother Anthony. Would you want to take a a statement of? Something you want to add to the discussion based upon you just recently heard? Yes. Um, what I want to add is that, uh, let's see, that, um, you know, the, the uh, people have to keep, keep in mind that the, that the U.S. has a long history of using biological warfare against the indigenous and African people. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, worldwide, and that, uh, and that, uh, you know, and that, uh, you know, that, and that, uh, the best, uh, 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 you know, thing, uh, you know, the best way to deal with healthcare is through knowledge. Knowledge is power in a sense, and uh, the more you study and share information. Uh, the better off you are. 
and uh you know uh, and uh you know so uh we definitely need to do more research more studying and we have to get better organized and uh that's key to defeating uh the all the enemies of humanity Thank you, Brother Anthony. And we'll go back to call the 6050 based on what you heard and find the comments on this particular um, article, call or issue, 6050. 6050, any additional comments? Okay, I guess he has no additional comments. What we're going to do right now, as we talk about this subject, uh, U.S. and Eva, they belong together. Um, we also got to mention their partner in crime. We're talking about the state of Israel. So what I want to do is get our panelists discuss this particular article that we would like to share with our listening audience. Uh, Google it up and say it is titled, The Palestinian Vaccine Fiasco, How a Political Media and Activist Failure is Leading to Avoidable Deaths. Okay, by Yah Rosenberg, written July the 7th, 2021. Um, Brother Hackey, laying us off. We talk about how this thing can be used as a tool to um, cause more harm and damage to the population. This is another example when we're looking at the West and how they are using it. Your response to this article, Brother Hackey. You know, you know, interestingly enough, you know, the, the problem lies with the timing in terms of the transfer you know, of those vaccines. Because the vaccines are so close to the expiration date, uh, many Palestinians had a real problem with that. In that context, they saw a bit of a political conspiracy taking place, and they were hesitant to take it. Uh, the problem I would ask is that I just wonder why it took so long in terms of actually facilitating that, that transfer, you know, when the vaccines were equitable or when the vaccines were effective. So the mere fact that they waited, you know, to close to the expiration date for those vaccines, perhaps it was a calculated decision by the by designers uh, to then introduce, you know, or, or to, to, to introduce or give those, those 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 vaccines to the Palestinians, knowing that perhaps the Palestinians would sense that something fundamentally wrong with vaccines that are so close to the expiration date. So for me, brother Africa, I start, see this all as political maneuver. I, I think the designers were pretty shrewd in terms of their time and this, this, this whole thing. That's not to diminish the role that the uh, Palestinian Authority played in terms of, uh, in, in, in terms of not, you know, not taking it, taking the, taking the, uh, taking the vaccine, even though it was close to its, its expiration date. Uh, still, there was some efficacy left in those vaccines. Uh, but nonetheless, that is the call of the Palestinian Authority. They're much, they're much better to make that kind of call since they're so. Their proximity is much closer to, to the Zionist state. I mean, they live in, inside the Zionist regime, and so they're much, much better positioned strategically to decide whether or not to accept those vaccines. And I'll close with that. Thank you, Haki. Brother Anthony, what do you bring to the table on your thought on this particular article and how they're using the vaccine as a weapon against the Palestinian people? Well, it, uh, it fit, uh you know, it sets a pattern uh, common to all settler colonial uh, states, and that uh, you know that uh, they, uh, you know, that one of the ways that uh, they uh, 
they tried to uh, eliminate the indigenous population is through uh, our biological warfare. And uh, this, uh, and uh, this, uh, and denying uh, Palestinians access to a vaccine, which, uh, you know, uh, given its, uh, you, you know, limitations, might, uh, might help in terms of improving the quality of life is par for the course uh, for neocolonial regimes. And part of that pattern, uh, uh, their behavior of trying to, uh, you know, get rid of the indigenous population. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Sister Eleanor, talk to us. What do you take from this article? Well, I agree with Brother Anthony. This is uh, colonialism and, and a military settler state at work. Uh, to undermine the Palestinian authority, but a part of its continued genocide, as we saw uh, with the attack on Palestine very recently by the Israelis, uh, they destroyed one of their corona vaccine sites. And uh, there was, uh, from the beginning, uh, 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 an effort to vaccinate all Israelis while ignoring the po- Palestinians. Now, of course, the Palestinians feel like we do here in this United States. We know the oppression and and the medical atrocities that uh, we have faced as African-American people. The Palestinians have those same feelings and uh, concerns. And they're legitimate concerns. But the problem is, is that Israel bombed the uh, media so that there's no one, no journalist to help dissect what's going on and give a clear view to the Palestinians of what's going on. And uh, unfortunately, the NGOs, um, the Human Rights Watch and physicians for Humanities uh, went to bat for the vaccine rejection, uh, uh, echoing the false claims that the doses were essentially uh, about to expire. Well, you know, in order to to use these new vaccines that are available that are going to expire in August, and here we are on July 11th, credible mobilization of the Palestinian people to use these vaccines. And uh, the issue is how they were able to get to South Korea and be administered, but they couldn't get to Palestine. That's what apartheid is about. It's about oppressing people. It's about murdering people. And it's about eliminating, in this case, the Israelis, annihilating the Palestinian people. And it's interesting how religion is being used to bolster up the Zionist state. We have many religious groups, these new fundamental megachurches around the world in in poor countries popping up where they believe that these are the last days and that Israel, the the Zionist state, is some kind of chosen state. Well, it's not. Anywhere was offered 
to the Zionists. They could have been in Uganda. They could have been in South Africa. They developed a new state, Kuwait, for them. They offered that to them. Their selection of Zion had nothing to do with any historical basis. It was plain old modern-day 20th century capitalism, looking for the best place with the best access to waterways and to commerce. And as you know, the Israeli government has one of the largest, as the owner, Israelis are one of the largest uh, shipping companies as owned by Israeli interests in the world. So I think that uh, this was uh, imperialism at work. I think that the Palestinian people uh, were uh, denied access to these vaccines purposely. I think this was a well-orchestrated undermining. As Sister Shirley talked about some weeks ago on the show, she talked about how you first undermine the local government, how you create a crisis, and the one thing you always do is deny it. So this scandal was not coincidental. I think it was planned, and I think it has a devastating, a potentially devastating impact on Palestinian lives. And when you look at, I look at these world charts every day, or not every day, but I've slowed down a bit, but I used to look at them every day. I've never seen Palestine there. So no, we're not even counting the Palestinians that are falling that are dying from this COVID-19. And the brother 6050, I think he was talking about legislation, and it'll be interesting what brother Hakeem finds out for us. I think he was talking about legislation directly affecting the corona vaccine. I don't think it was uh, concerning all vaccines. And it's interesting that the Pfizer is owned by one filthy rich family. Now, this opioid crisis has popped up recently, and Pfizer is going to have to sell off its interest in the oxycodone and oxycontin uh, manufacturing. But they're doing well with vaccines now. I don't think they're going to mind moving on. There was a judgment last week where they're ordered to pay $4 billion in, uh, in uh, funds to families that have and municipalities that have been affected by the uh, opioid crisis. But in terms of this vaccine, they were about to expire. There was a a rumor that they had expired, though they hadn't. And they consequently, according to the article, were sent to South Korea. And that is something that had been in plan for some time. It wasn't something that just popped up, and there were 7,000 doses uh, shipped to South Korea, and it's some kind of swap because uh, they uh, expect in the fall between in September and November for the uh, Israelis uh, agreed to trade its upcoming, the South Koreans agreed to trade its upcoming Pfizer order estimated to arrive between September and November to the Israelis. So this was something that was planned, and the Palestinians were on the losing end from the start. 
I think this was contrived and conceived. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And we can let Brother Moses take a last shot at this one before we take a break and come back with our final thoughts. Uh, we ask all those who are still on, who participate, to give us their final thoughts for tonight. But we like Brother Moses to take a shot at this particular last article dealing with uh, the issue of vaccine and the Palestinian issue. Brother Moses. Yeah, I, I would suggest that everyone who can uh, interested in this article actually read the article. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, um, cause and effect, just that. Um, and this is the analysis of according to how they saw things. And so um, I accept uh, it's a reasonable uh, um, depiction of what goes on. Uh, and then you have, to under, you have to have your own understanding in terms of the war outlook and knowing the players and, and the, who's contending and contending and, uh, and uh, competing for spheres of influence and uh, we know that some of the Palestinians didn't want didn't want to deal with Israel and all of them. I mean the BDS boycott, the best sanctioned people don't want to even recognize Israel as a as a entity and deal with it in any shape, form or fashion. And so they were opposed to uh the swap in the first place. And so anyway, uh uh Israel proved, you know, it all worked out for the for for against the Palestinians, and uh, and that seems to be a, a the narrative. And I I won't belabor the time; I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Thank you, listening audience. This is Alpha Going to Move. We get with part two, part two of the thing: U.S. and evil. They belong together. We're going to take a rubber stir break and we'll call who's still with us, 6050. We'll start out with him and we'll let our participants uh, share our final thought as we speak to U.S. and evil, the two belong together. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Moon. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice, 
That's what we've got to do. Cause Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. That's right. Palestine needs freedom and love, so does Africa and all of humanity. And I find a closing remark. We ask each person to take about one minute and give us their closing thoughts. As for this program, part two, U.S. and Evil, they belong together. We can go to call at 6050, one minute or less. You'll find the thoughts. Call if you have anything to say. You'll find the thoughts for tonight. Call at 6050. The mic is yours. Okay, since call is 6050, may I have no final thoughts, we go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, the mic is yours. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. Um, once again, it's been a very interesting and educational show. Um, I thank you. And um, I think, you know, we have to recognize that, you know, we're, we're, we're a complex people and we need a complex organization. And that we have to be fighting on every front, on all fronts, uh, political, economical, and theoretical. And uh, and so, you know, we there's many people and 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 many tasks. And uh, but there's one movement, and that movement is all moving towards a new democracy or socialism, is which is new democracy. And uh, and uh, we, you know, quantitative changes lead to qualitative changes, and uh, and so we shall see in the end uh, when that tipping scale hits hits, and uh, we go from one thing to another. But until that day, we have to continue to struggle, and even after that day, we will be struggling. But uh, but anyway. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution to today's show. Uh, we ask each participant again, limit that closing thought about your one minute, if possible. Sister Eleanor, you are next. The mic is yours. Yes, I, I concur. It was an interesting show, very informative. Um, we uh, hope that the vaccine will begin to reach uh, populations in Africa, Asia, all around the world, our brothers and sisters in Haiti and Venezuela, and certainly U.S. imperialism and, and, and world imperialism. Now the biggest struggle, as I say, is authoritarianism is struggling to, is oppressing progressive governments such as Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and other governments. But united, uh, the people can make real political change, political and economic change in the world. So register to vote. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful week. Continue to study and to politicize and register someone to vote. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Hackey, your final thoughts for tonight. Brother Hackey. 
Yeah, I, I think we confuse pragmatism with um, reality. One of the things we talk about pragmatism, we also think about pragmatism in terms of being, you know, um, um, uh, very selective in terms of what we say or don't say. The problem in the political context is that as the society continues to deteriorate, uh, the ability to speak, the ability to organize become limited. We've got to understand that as we move forward, we have to understand that our adversaries are enemies of, of, of hope and peace and justice pushing back. So therefore, we have limited opportunity to actually, actually stand up organizing. So we've got to understand that to be pragmatic doesn't necessarily mean it's a particularly an intelligent thing to do. Keep that in mind. And as always, Brother Africa, I encourage people to unravel the matrix because without that, there is no moving forward. And I'll close with that, and you have a good night. Thank you, Brother Haki. And final thought, Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight. Yes. Um, in light of the, uh, of the ob- obstacles we're facing, and, uh, and uh, it, it becomes very critically important that, that all that the masses of our people join an organization that is working for our people's liberation. One such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Our objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. You can learn more about our objective and program by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. Thank you, Brother Anthony, for your final thoughts for tonight. Our political panelists, our listening audience, our friends and supporters, pray the word that every Sunday evening, about 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S., we'll be coming on Africa Remove as we attempt to speak truth to the powerless and the powerful. We invite you to come and join us so you can share information with our people because we know it's important that without information, People cannot think if you belong to organizations, we would like to share your organization, what it's doing for our people in the community and humanity as well. Because the only, thing, only way we can make things happen is through organizations. We want to remind all Africans throughout the world, not only that we are Africa and Africa are our mother, but Pan Africanism is the key. It will set all Africans free and be, be in a stronger position to make its contribution to humanity. Until next time, let's remember to always strive to go forward, Arrow, backwards, never. This is Brother Africa on Africa Remove. we we'll see you next Sunday. we we'll leave you with some revolutionary music. Thank you for allowing us to come to your home this evening. And remember, Africa is on the move. No mind your nationality, you have got the identity of an African. Cause if you come from Clarendon, and if you come from Portland, and if you come from Westmoreland, you're an African.
you're a black man, you're an African. No mind your nationality, have got the identity of an African. Cause if you come from Trinidad, and if you come from
And he was taken from 
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 